Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, your daily fix for Ohio State football and basketball. Welcome back to the show. I'm your show host, Kyle Lamb. We are two days away from the big noon kickoff, the showdown in the shoe, a top 10 matchup between Ohio State, Penn State, kicking off noon Saturday. That is on Fox. ESPN's college football game day will also be there as well as BTN tailgate. We're going to continue to get you into the mood today. I've got a jam-packed show, so much so that I brought along some friends. Bill Bender of the Sporting News will be along. We'll preview this game as well as talk some college football playoff scenarios. Bill will be along both in the first and the third segments. Kevin McGuire, you know him from NBC's College Football Talk. He is also the host of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'll have a conversation with him in the second segment as we preview Penn State, and he'll also be along in the Friday episode as we continue to have more of a dialogue about this huge showdown. Locked On Buckeyes, as I said, a daily Ohio State podcast covering Ohio State football and basketball. You can find us on your favorite podcasting platform. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or by saying, play the Locked On Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers. Locked On Buckeyes is brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye, licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. Also, thank you to support from GoBus. Ohio's rural intercity bus system can bring you to Columbus for Ohio State sporting events. With over 40 stops to locations across the state, visit them at ridegobus.com or call them 1-888-95-GO-BUS. All right, we kick off Locked On Buckeyes today with one of my favorite guests that I have on the show frequently, Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Always a pleasure, Bill. Thanks for coming back on the show, although this is the first time in in the new format, but uh, you are a, a frequent visitor on my podcast, and I appreciate that. Well, no problem, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Hope everything's going well. And uh, yeah, just winding down here. It's not, uh, not too many weeks left on the schedule, and obviously a big one here in Columbus. Yeah, you, you keep plenty busy this time of year. You're just telling me your busy schedule and all you got going on. I hear you out on the radio all the time here in Columbus, and and I know, for, judging from your timeline, that's uh, not just uh, not just unique to Columbus. You're all over the place. Yeah, um, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, we've had some good stories this week at Sporting News. Obviously, um, you know, we released our top ten players of all time. That's going to get a reaction, which is a good exercise, of course. Oh, I think. Archie Griffin finished fifth on that list. And, um, yeah, but I mean, you know, between that, the college football playoff rankings, getting prepared for what should be a really good game between Penn State and Ohio State Saturday. And then coaching my son's basketball team. There aren't a lot of minutes out there. I mean, my wife and I do get a date night every once in a while. And then, you know, that's been the best part. So, Bill, I want to ask you something before we get into the Ohio State Penn State game, and we'll discuss some college football playoff stuff. I want to get your take on a big picture thing that I've been talking about. When you look at the weekend schedule for college football, Ohio State, Penn State, it's a top 10 matchup. So justifiably, it's getting a lot of attention, but it is getting so much attention in part because you look at the weekend slate of college football games and Bill, my goodness, man, this is a really, really bad week. This is the second to last week of the regular season. 
and for a variety of reasons, you know, the extra bye week, uh, SEC's scheduling with, with some of the FCS opponents this week, for a number of reasons, there's just not many good games. What do you make of this in college football, and is it going to get to the, the point where the powers that be get together and decide what they're going to do about it? Because you, you'd think down the stretch, you want some really, really good matchups, and we're not getting it this week. Yeah, um, well, maybe that comes with the 18 playoffs if that ends up happening down the road. I mean, as somebody who grew up around Ohio State, Michigan, I'm used to this week being, you know, Ohio State, Illinois, or Michigan. Michigan plays Indiana a lot this weekend, and that's a little bit of a different game. But um, in recent, at least when they go to Bloomington. But um, yeah, I think yeah, at some point you would have to beef that up. You're seeing that in non-con now, though. I think teams are beefing up to the point where when we get to an 18 playoff, you wonder that strength of schedule might start to actually matter because you're talking about two loss teams getting in the playoff at that point. And I think, because I've said all along, I mean, if you schedule one tough non-con game, Ohio State has that on their schedule with Cincinnati, and just take care of business and don't lose twice, chances are you get in the playoff. Yeah, you know, that's actually one of my big points as to why I prefer an 18 model. I know there are a lot of different differing opinions as to whether four or eight is best, but I, I honestly think eight is best for the sport for the reasons you mentioned. It's the beefing up the non-conference schedule, allowing teams to have a little bit more wiggle room. There are so many years in college football in the past where September has been a snooze fest, and I think if you go to eight teams, having that extra wiggle room, especially if you award automatic bids, it's going to make college football a better product week over week. Oh yeah, and I, I want to see good games. You know, I want to. The difference between the NFL and the college football is every week in the NFL, maybe it doesn't matter in terms of the Super Bowl, but in the playoff picture, I mean, that, it, this week, for example, when you have the it's rarely that I can say definitively the NFL schedule is much better than the college football schedule. And I, I'm saying it more and more often. Like you take this weekend, for example, and you get Patriots and uh, Cowboys and Packers and, and Niners. I'll be paying a close attention to that one and being a Packers fan. And then, um, then you get Ravens Rams. That's better than the college football schedule by far. So this week, Ohio State and Penn State, huge matchup, although incredibly a 19-point spread, which I think says more about Ohio State's dominance than anything against Penn State. But I heard an interesting stat because – so many people focus on the recent history of these two teams, and there's been a lot of close games. But interestingly, Penn State has only won, and I credit Tony Gerdman of the Ozone for mentioning this, Penn State has only won three times in the last 15 meetings in, the, in 50 years in Columbus. 12-3 and three is Ohio State's record in Columbus. All three of those games, Ohio State were starting true freshman quarterbacks. So it's really impressive in that Penn State really has not won in Columbus very much except for those situations where Ohio State was breaking in a new guy. Well, and then one would be, I believe one was a Luke Fickle game, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Braxton um, Miller in, in 2011, yep. I'm trying to think of the name of the Penn State running back that ran all over him that day. I think it was Silas Red or something like that. Um, although, no, I thought he played for USC. Um I'm going to look that up when I get off the phone now. I feel bad. And then I remember the prior, the Terrell prior game where there was a fumble that really turned the tide there. But yeah, I mean, when these two teams are in the top 10, Ohio State has won six out of the nine. Um, you know, that they, I think that spread is about right, honestly, because I think unless 
Sean Clifford has the game of his life and please don't send him death threats. That's ridiculous. Yeah, um, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> that, um, you know, Penn State might be in a little bit of trouble. I mean, in his last five games, he has a 56% completion percentage. That's against some good teams. If he's at 56, they'll get run out of the building by Ohio State. Um, they've got to be able to take – I think one of the things Ohio State does well is they force a lot of three and out. And um, if they do that early, Penn State will be in trouble. That's where I see yeah, – I agree completely, Bill. I, that's where I see trouble for, for this Penn State team is I, I think that they are capable of having more big plays on this Ohio State defense than the Buckeyes have allowed in previous games this year. But I'm not sure Clifford's typical typical production – I don't know that they can sustain enough drives to be able to beat Ohio State. That's what's been everybody's team's problem is you can't – Ohio State, I was at the – remember thinking about this Florida Atlantic game, the number of possessions that were in the first quarter that Ohio State created to get 28 points. I mean, it was because they kept three and outing Florida Atlantic. Now, I know Florida Atlantic had State, but it's the same concept. It's been the same concept all season with the exception of the first quarter against Michigan State they've been able to knock people out early and um, that'll be on Penn state. Penn state's pretty good in the first quarter too, though. So I think that'll be interesting to see. Also want to see how, cause I've thought all season Penn state's pretty fast on defense. They played all right. How does that translate against Ohio state's rushing attack? Do they, are they able to make an impact on Justin Fields that's substantial enough to make Ohio state uncomfortable? And I think that's very questionable at best as well. And Bill, for me, the other big thing is to watch Ohio State and how they handle the Penn State pressure, because if there has been a weakness with Ohio State, maybe two weaknesses, it has been they've been allowing a little bit more pressure pressure and pass protection this year than in, in some past years, especially last year. They kept Dwayne Haskins incredibly clean. So the, the pass protection has to be good against this Penn State front, and I also think that they need to do a little bit better job on early downs so that even though they've been incredible on third down conversions, be better on first and second down so that they're not getting into those third and longs against this defense. Yeah, and, and you know, Wisconsin did that for a while as well. But, I mean, that, the elements, and that's the other thing I've been watching. I didn't check my weather app today because it's so nice here in Pickerington that uh, I, it, will the weather play a role in that? I was at the, uh, I've been to the last two Ohio State-Penn State games, and, you know, both I think I picked Ohio State to win comfortably. We know how they won. It was anything but comfortable. Um one of the things I also keep in mind here, and, and it plays into the elements, is the last two years Penn State had Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. Do they have a guy that can run the ball and, and basically scare Ohio State? Not scare, but, you know, make Ohio State respect like they had to respect Barkley and Sanders. And I'm not sure they have that, even with Kane or Brown. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Kane plays. He's missed the last couple games with an injury. They did say he could have played against Indiana. They they didn't because Journey Brown had been playing a little better. Uh, it will be interesting to see if he does play against Ohio State this week. It sounds like the way James Franklin is making it seem, he will be in there. Yeah, and then they, they need to – that goes into the sustaining the drives thing. I mean, both of these teams are good in the run. Both of them, statistically, they stack up comparable. But I think anybody that's watched both teams a little bit knows the difference. How I know a lot of people are trying to – and Ryan Day said as much, said it's a talent – equated game or forget the phrase he uses. it's not it is but it's not i yeah. think ohio state still has more talent um but this is probably 
star-wise, the, the most talented team they're going to face so far. I don't know how you, you know this stuff better than I do. I bet it's comparable to Michigan at least. Uh, yeah. Michigan may have a little bit more star power than Penn State, but not by much. I don't know. Am I, which one has more? The, so if I'm remembering this right, I know Penn State has 54 and five-star players on the roster. I think Michigan has 53. I think that's the numbers that I saw a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I still think Michigan's going to be a tougher game for Ohio State. I really do. I think Ohio State comes in this one and takes care of its business. And they're going to probably do the same in Ann Arbor, too. But I just think I've watched Michigan a little bit closer the last couple of weeks. They're playing better. Um, I and, and, of course, with the 62 to 39 in their heads, I think it's going to be a little tighter up there. But I, I, I do they have a spread on that one? I, I would guess the spread on that will be, I want to say, 11, 11 and a half. The the look ahead lines have been roughly twelve to thirteen. Now I think when we actually get to the opening line on Sunday, I think you're right. I think it'll probably be closer to eleven or eleven and a half. Which again shows that how dominant Ohio State's been. You're talking about a team on a historic pace. Uh, and then I guess the other part of this for Ohio State is a couple things that I've said out loud that I can't really believe. The Michigan game is probably the least important game in terms of the college football playoff race if you follow me on that, because they win the division this week with a win here. They, they leave no doubt by winning the big 10 championship. I mean, there are plenty of scenarios out there where Ohio state can lose to Michigan and still make the playoff and ask if it can't happen. Look at the iron bowl two years ago. Um, you know, and that's something I never thought I would say out loud. And I mean, with Ohio state beating teams as bad as they're beating them, I think if they win these next three, they probably get the – do you think they get the one if they win out? I think they do. I think they should. I don't know that they will. I, I have been saying, I, I think – see, you go back two weeks ago in the first rankings and the committee put Ohio State number one despite having one less quality loss, and they pretty much said they believed Ohio State was the best, most complete team. And I think they still believe that. So I, I think if Ohio State runs off these next three wins – you're talking about three top 15 wins and they would have five top 25 wins most likely depending on what happens with Cincinnati and some of the other games, but they would most likely have five top 25 teams, uh, top five, top 25 wins as LSU would. I think Ohio state would get back in that number one spot because the resume doesn't necessarily have to be as good as LSU, but as long as it's comparable, I think they'll give the benefit of the doubt thinking Ohio state's more complete than LSU is. And you want to be in that one spot, not not to say you're running from them, but yes, I mean Clemson's going to be three, right? Clemson and the loser of that LSU Ohio State battle is going to have to deal with Clemson first. And you know, I don't know what the line. I think Clemson Ohio State is a game I want to see because I want to see. I whiffed when I you know whiffed a couple times. I I picked Texas to go to the playoff this year, so that's a big whiff. But uh, I a couple years ago when I picked Ohio State to beat Clemson, I didn't even like really think twice about it and when they got beat 31 to nothing I've wondered ever since what following the trajectory of both teams is what would be different if they played again each of the last couple seasons I thought that even last year I was like well if Ohio State play Clemson what would be different so I kind of want to see it all right we are back with the locked on Buckeyes my guest now is Kevin McGuire you may know him from uh, college football talk on NBC, and he is also the host of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. We are here, of course, to talk about the game du jour. That is Ohio State-Penn State top 10 showdown coming from the shoe this Saturday. Kevin, 
thanks for taking some time. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. I, I feel like this is a, a game that is worthy of all the buzz that it's been getting. And I know, I know I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I got to be honest, I'm not very optimistic about Penn State's chances, but it is one of the games that you circle on the calendar every year when the schedule's out. And you know, certainly uh, a lot has happened getting up to this point. So I'm looking forward to seeing just what transpires next. I'm curious where the mindset is from the Penn State fan base. We, you and I had been looking forward to this one for a while. The Penn State fans, the Ohio State fans have been looking forward to it. We, we thought it would probably be an undefeated showdown. And then the Minnesota game happens. And not that anybody is shocked Minnesota won, but I don't think anybody expected it really. And so I, I'm curious now where Penn State folks are with the expectations for this game after that loss. You know, I think uh, as the season has been unfolding, you know, certainly leading up to the Minnesota game, I think there were a lot of people that thought that no matter what happened against Minnesota, getting to the Big Ten championship game was still going to have to require beating Ohio State one way or the other. Because at that point, you know, Ohio State was already rolling. Uh, we kind of see where everybody compares to Ohio State, and there's a pretty good gap uh, even amongst the, the next best teams in this conference. So I, I just feel like you know, Penn State fans in general – probably are understanding that Ohio state is really good and going into their place and coming out with a win would be very shocking at this point, especially the way that Penn state has been playing the last couple of weeks, haven't exactly been sharp on either side of the football uh, for the most part. And that's dangerous this time of year when you're taking on a team like this. So I think the expectations are somewhat timid. Obviously you're going to get some overzealous people who say that they're going to go in there and mop the floor of the Ohio state. That's of course is crazy talk, but I do think that, you know, they at least want to be, competitive in this game we don't want to see a 63 to 14 result as we have seen in the series before uh but i feel like there's a lot of um you know i think there's a lot of well-reasoned people out there who expect that penn state's going to lose but you know as long as it doesn't get ugly i think they'll at least move forward with that i have to imagine it's it's probably easier for penn state the coaching staff and and those close to the players to sell this one as as legitimate chance just because of the past history a lot of close calls in this series the last several years. You know, you could get caught up in the 18-point spread and, you know, woe is us, Ohio State's really good. But Penn State's been here before against some really good Ohio State teams. Maybe not quite as good, but close. So I, I kind of feel like it's, it's an easy sell for Penn State to convince their players this week that, hey, we can play with these guys because we've done it so many times. Yeah, I mean, just look at the last couple of years. Penn State has had chances to beat Ohio State each of the last two seasons. Uh, they just weren't able to so, uh, slam the door shut on the, those games in the fourth quarter. And uh, they, they've had delivered that regret for a year, two years now. And I think, you know, as far as the coaching staff goes, they know that they can hype up their team and say, hey, you know, Ohio State's really good, but we've shown the last couple of seasons that we are worthy of being on the same field with them. And I think that there's a there's a good lesson to be learned there. However, there's something different about this team. They don't have the same kind of uh, overall senior leadership that they've had the last couple of years with guys like Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley. You know, a lot of those guys have moved on. This is a pretty young Penn State team right now. And you've got a lot of guys that are taking over those starting and leading roles in many key areas, including quarterback like Sean Clifford. So that's not to say that they'll be intimidated or they'll be shy about this situation, but it is a little bit of a different experience. There's a little bit of a I don't know if learning curve is the right way to say it, but it's an experience that a lot of these guys haven't necessarily been put into yet. And it's going to be a big test for them. 
and we've already seen them on the road this year against Iowa and Minnesota. They've had some shaky moments. They haven't uh, had great performances in either of those games, but they've had chances to win one. Uh, they did win one of those games. Those are pretty tough situations that they can go into, but you know, you got to build off of those experiences and hope that it's going to mean something this weekend against Ohio State. I want to ask you about K.J. Hamler, a big part of, of Penn State's offensive success, obviously, did not finish the Indiana game. Uh, Penn State said the other day, I heard James Franklin say they were hopeful that he would play this week. They made it sound like he is in the middle of concussion protocol. What is his status that you know? Have you heard anything different? What are your expectations for him being available Saturday? I believe he may be close to a game time decision. All I know is uh, Franklin is optimistic or hopeful that he'll be able to be available. I'm not so sure that that's something that should be a given here for Penn State. I think that that actually is going to be a concern here. Uh, you know, anytime you were talking about concussions, it's, it's, it's handled very differently than some other injuries that are out there. I think with all the, the awareness that we have with head trauma right now, it's not something you mess around with. So uh, obviously they would love to have him out there because he is a guy that can really make some plays happen on offense and they may need that, but they're, they're not going to risk his overall health status. So I would wait to see, maybe we'll learn more by Friday about whether or not he's going to be available or what the decision is going to be. But, uh, while Franklin's hopeful and optimistic, I'm not quite as uh, optimistic that he's going to play or at least play a, a full role that he's used to. You know, it, it's got to be tantalizing watching Sean Clifford on a, on a day-to-day basis, a game-to-game basis, because he's so, he, he makes all the throws. You'll, you'll see these wow moments from him. And then it doesn't seem like he, he can consistently maintain it. Only 56% completion percentage. What is it with Sean Clifford that he's doing or not doing that he needs to do better to, to have more success uh, consistently? I think he's a young player who's still realizing or not realizing that there are situations where he doesn't have to force something to happen. Uh, so I think that that is part of the, uh, the growing experience for him. Still a sophomore quarterback, uh, still kind of uh, being accustomed to being the guy uh, leading the offense. And I think there's, uh, there's some mistakes he's been making and probably a little bit more frequently as the competition has been a little bit tougher in the last hum- number of games. So I think he's getting some different looks and, you know, teams are starting to realize that you can bring some pressure on him because if you bring some pressure on him, he's probably more prone to make a mistake as we saw against Minnesota. So uh, that's something that will obviously be a big key this weekend. But I, I just feel like you're right. He, he has moments where he makes those plays. It's almost like Christian Hackenberg. And I'm rolling my eyes saying that because <laughs> he had moments, he had moments when he looked like a, a true first round NFL caliber quarterback. And then he had moments where you realize that, he wasn't that. So uh, I'm not saying that Sean Clifford's going to be Christian Hackenberg, but I mean, that, that's kind of where I think we are right now with just a, such a young quarterback. He's still learning as he's going and I think he'll only get better. But uh, again, big test for him this weekend. On the defensive side of the ball, Kevin, where are you at with Penn State secondary? The, the run defense, the front seven has been pretty good, pretty consistent most of the way through the last couple games. There's been some eek moments for them. Where is that uh, pass defense uh, for you with Penn State right now? Very sketchy. Very much a concern going into this game uh, because they have given up some big passing plays to a couple teams that can throw the football. And guess what? Ohio State can throw the football. So I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I feel like that is something that is going to be a major concern here. They really need to tighten that up. And I actually think it would help if the defensive line can get back to making some pressure because the last couple games they've played, they haven't really had an impact until much later in the game when the game was already decided one way or the other. So that's got to be the big key, I think, for me. Getting that pressure from the defensive line 
has to become a, more of a focus because they haven't really been doing that the way that they are have been hyped up to be doing uh, this season. It, it just hasn't lived up to the hype the last couple of games, and I think that that has hurt the secondary as a result. Yeah, Kevin, you kind of stole my thunder. This was the last question I was going to ask you. It, having watched Penn State and, and seeing Ohio State some as well, what would be your keys for for Penn State coming in this weekend to keep it a four-quarter game and have a shot to pull it out at the end? Honestly, the defense has to get off to a better start. You know, all season long, they hadn't given up a first uh, first quarter touchdown. And then each of the last two games, they've given up two on the very first two drives that the opposing offense has had. And they haven't been cheap, short field position touchdowns either. They've been driving the length of the field, Minnesota and Indiana. So that right off the bat has to be come the major focus this weekend if they can do that and they can avoid falling back these 21 nothing i think that that would be huge getting out of the first quarter with the game in reach i think is huge because the second quarter comes around uh that's when ohio state seems to be at their best offensively and that's going to be the big key just getting the halftime with the game in a manageable position i think would be a huge lift for penn state going into the second half and then you can probably see a four-quarter game develop again you know while Ohio State's offense has been brilliant in the second quarter, Penn State's defense has actually fared very well in the second quarter when on the road. So maybe that balances out a little bit and maybe they can swing that in their favor. At least they keep the game in a position where maybe they'll have a chance to to steal one in the horseshoe uh, this weekend. He is Kevin McGuire. You can catch him on College Football Talk, NBC's College Football Talk. You can also catch him on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. And if you'd like to hear more from Kevin, he and I will go into this game a little bit more in detail on the Friday episode of Locked on Buckeyes. Kevin, I appreciate you joining me, and uh, we'll be back at you. We'll be back with you on Friday to talk more about this game. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Coming up in just a moment, I continue my conversation with Bill Bender of the Sporting News. We'll be back in just a moment. So, Bill, I want to ask you this. So, let's say the – I know Ohio State fans will crush me for even thinking this way, but let's say Penn State does go into Columbus this weekend and get uh, a win in Columbus. I I think you and I both agree because you touched on it. I think Ohio State could withstand a loss at Michigan because they're still going to the Big Ten Championship. I think they could withstand – if they beat Penn State at Michigan, they could withstand a loss in the Big Ten Championship and probably still make it. Do you think there is a path if they lost to Penn State, assuming Penn State goes off, beats Rutgers next week, goes to Indianapolis – is there still a path for Ohio State making it if they don't even get to the Big Ten Championship? I think they'd be – well, no, I, I think it'd be hard uh, just because then you're sitting there at 11-1. and one. Now, is there a path? Sure. But I think they're kind of sitting in that same spot as Alabama is where if the committee has an excuse to take a 12-1 and one Oregon over Ohio State and Alabama, they may do that. Now, difference being Ohio State looks a lot better than Alabama – in terms of margin of victory and then beating teams by 40 plus points and being in that top four, they might actually get the Alabama treatment this year that Alabama got in 17. But um, I think it'd be tough because they'd already have Penn state in at that point. I mean, I would say you'd root for Minnesota against Penn state, but then they might take the Gophers at that point. I don't know, but I feel like the Gophers have to go through Ohio state to get into the playoff in a lot of ways. And then do that on the field. So, yeah, there'd be a path there, but you just don't want to count on the committee for help, given how they've been a little bit unpredictable just in their thinking from week to week. So let's start with this scenario. LSU, Ohio State, Clemson all win out. Is it a one-loss Pac-12 champion? 
is it a one-loss Oklahoma as Big 12 champion, or is it the one-loss Alabama getting in in that fourth spot? I think it's Oregon and Utah at this point. It's theirs to lose in the regular season. Because that that would be the first time in like three or four years where I've watched the Pac-12 game with more than passing interest. Um, I think Oregon in particular has uh, enough juice as a team. The way they played, the early loss wasn't that bad that they would get in. So I think your matchups at that point would be LSU or Ohio State versus Oregon, and then the other one versus Clemson. And I'm fine with that. We can, we can, we are allowed to have a 14 playoff without Alabama, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of intrigued by the amount of dismissal. I don't want to say dismissal, but people are are uh, talking about Oregon a lot in these scenarios. But Utah is right there playing just as good football with Oregon right now, and I think Utah has a really good chance of of winning that game and sneaking in as the fourth team. I'm kind of surprised at the lack of. Uh, respect, I guess, is for lack of a better term, that, that Utah is getting right now. Oh, it's completely fair. But I, I think some of that's the glamour factor. I mean, Oregon, Utah's a lot like, be like if Iowa was rolling. They're very comparable, right? right. It would be like a very, kind of like Iowa from a few years ago, honestly, um, that just kept rolling. Uh, I, maybe I'm shortchanging them. We could even call them like a really good Wisconsin team. But Oregon has the running game, they have the speed, they have that nice money, and of course they have um, the quarterback that's going to get drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, and that always ups the visibility. I watched them Saturday against Arizona. They check a lot of boxes. They're fast. Now, I qualify on that saying I think there's a clear separation between one, two, three, and everybody else. Like I think the national championship's going to be one of those top three teams, and they all have – I don't know, Kyle, somebody asked me who the best team in the country was earlier this morning, and I said all three of them have their own case, and it's very strong, right? Like Ohio State beating teams by 40 and looks complete on both sides. Um, LSU's got the Heisman winner at quarterback, and um, they have a bunch of quality victories, and they beat Alabama. And then Clemson hasn't lost. But they, they're likely going to take a 28-game win streak into the playoffs. So, and I don't think they're nearly as, the ACC is bad. Clemson is not. Are you, should people be worried about that LSU defense? This is the second time now against a subpar opponent, Vandy being the first, Ole Miss being the second, where their defense gave up a lot of yards and a lot of points to a a very mediocre offense. Are, Are you worried about LSU's defense as it pertains to making a run and beating a Clemson or Ohio State or a Georgia uh, down the stretch here? I mean, the immediate worry would be Georgia, honestly, because Georgia's got a different kind of style than those other three. Georgia's not trying to score 60. Yeah. Georgia's defense is pretty good, and I've watched them a lot, too. I mean, they, their offense is very pedestrian at times because of the young receivers they have, because of a kind of an attack that is old school Big Ten. You know, they try to overwhelm you with the running game, and then if they get into trouble, the pass game can be hit or miss. And that's happened with elite Big Ten teams over the years. So, um, but defensively, they're good. They're really good on that side. They're, 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 Georgia's defense is as good. I mean, I don't want, they don't have a Chase Young, but they're, they're on the level of a Clemson or Ohio State defense, I think, where they, if they got in a game, they could trust their defense to get stopped. So I think that's a fair assessment. I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure the points allowed is pretty close between those three. Right. I think I think they're giving up 12 or 13 a game. They're I, I want to say third in the country right now. It's 
what's interesting for me is their pass game is not real impressive, but despite the fact that they don't put up these huge offensive numbers, they really do just milk the clock and they can, I think can play keep away from LSU and just sustain these long 10, 11, 13 play drives that milk off six minutes of the clock and keep LSU's offense off the field. Totally could happen. And that's why I say if I'm LSU, I'm a little concerned because their weakness off defense is Georgia's strength. I mean, they'll, they'll be content to give it to DeAndre Swift 20 times and Harry and whoever else they get. They've got 10 other running backs on that team. So they're comfortable with who they are is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, if Georgia won that game, they'd get in, I think. I think they'd get that last spot. Um, LSU would fall. They would still get in, too. It'd be a two-SEC nightmare for everyone else, especially – Oregon and Utah and Oklahoma and even Bama at that point where I think that that's the playoff field we're dealing with. I don't know that I think once Penn State loses here, they're pretty much done. I don't think Baylor or Minnesota can get in. I think we've got the kind of the eight teams we're dealing with. Well, Bill, it will be a lot of fun. Last question. If there is a chaos scenario out there that could throw the playoff uh, scenarios into, uh, into chaos, what would it be for you? Minnesota winning the Big Ten and Ohio State kind of either losing on the way in or, or losing. I just don't see it happening. I don't think there's any chaos scenario in the SEC other than Georgia winning it. I don't know that we care enough about the Big 12 if Oklahoma loses. Pac-12 is got its scenario straight. I guess the craziest thing I could see happening would be like Pitt or VTech or Virginia beating Clemson in the ACC championship game. And what would that mean for the defending national champs? I think they'd get left out. Um, but I don't know that any one of those teams can do it. I've got, I, I just covered that game a few times and watched Clemson just destroy teams. Yeah, I, I, Clemson is playing well enough. Even if their offense had a bad day, which I think is still feasible, they're playing really good right now. But I could see their offense taking a day off. I can't see their defense giving up enough points to lose to either one of those teams right now. Right. And I think that's the big thing looking forward is, is that would be the most shocking thing to me if Clemson lost and did not make the playoff, because I still think they're the, they might not be better than LSU or Ohio state. And that's a conversation for social media, I guess, but uh, they would be the most stunning team for me not to go. And Ohio state a close second, just watching them play. I think, I think they're going to take care of business against Penn state. I think they will get tested for a while against Michigan and ultimately prevail. Like Michigan, I'll believe Michigan beats them when I see it. That's where I'm at with that game. And if we talked about a spread, would they be a 20-and-a-half point favorite against Minnesota? I think they would. Yeah, that, I think you're right. I think it would have to be. Uh, I mean, you take away – it's it's 18 right now against Penn State. You take away maybe four uh, for home field advantage. But – Penn State was still a touchdown favorite over Minnesota in Minneapolis. So I think you're right. I think you're talking about 20, 21 points. Yeah. And that's, and that's, so I would probably be equally stunned at this point if they didn't make it. Now, LSU, I mean, if they lost AM and there was a late season collapse, I guess that would rank up there. They're not going to lose this week. But if they, like, what, what do we do, Kyle, if LSU loses AM and then loses Georgia? <laughs> I mean, yeah, my head would be spinning. And that's actually feasible. I'm not saying I expect Texas A&M to win, but I, I think Texas A&M at least it could give up enough of a fight. That's a, that's a po- possible scenario. Correct. So these are the ones I'm looking at heading into rivalry week. And uh, 
Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I always talk to you around this time of year. That tells me that we're almost done with the regular season, which excites and depresses me at the same time. <laughs> well, it, I'm I know I'm excited. There's so many so many big games this week. I, I think or not this week, but next week. I, I think at least the good thing is that there are scenarios for every single conference to possibly make it. I, I Oklahoma is probably the one that's furthest back right now, but at least there are scenarios where every conference has a chance to get in going into the last week, and that's all you can ask for. Well, I wouldn't rule them out either. The nation's top offense in points and, and yards, or top three in points, first in yards. They still have Jalen. Jalen sells. Jalen in the playoff would, would check off a lot of TV, you know, concerns. They, they'd get a lot of eyeballs with him. But I do think the other likely scenario for Oklahoma is, you know, you can sign my name to this one. If Oklahoma and Alabama don't play in the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, they'll be playing each other in the Sugar Bowl. Right. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be a heck of a lot of fun. I, that's a that's a dream scenario right there, right? I mean, isn't that if, if you you're talking about a New York Six Bowl that's not part of the playoff, that game right there is the one you want to see. Yeah, oh, they you get Jalen against Alabama, and and too bad Tua can't play in it too. But I think that alone would probably be watched not as much as the playoff games, but there'd be a lot of eyeballs on that Sugar Bowl if it happens. Yeah, no, no kidding. Well, he is Bill Bender of the Sporting News. You can catch his work, obviously, on Sporting News as well as on Twitter at BillBender92. Bill, appreciate it as always, and we'll try to catch up later on in December to go over some playoff scenarios. That sounds great, Kyle. Thanks so much for having me. That's a wrap for the Locked On Buckeyes podcast for today. Don't forget to tune in Friday as we continue more with Kevin McGuire and final thoughts, observations, impressions for the Ohio State-Penn State game coming up on Saturday. Don't forget to tell a friend or family member or friend's family member or family member's friend about the Locked On Buckeyes podcast five days a week on your favorite podcasting platform. That could be Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply asking your speakers, your smart speakers, to do the work for you. Play the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show, Locked on Buckeye Singular. Also find me on my Unscripted Ohio Podcast Network. That's going to do it for me. We'll see you again on Friday. Thanks for listening, everybody.